notice in children, so this is quite common, it's apparently 50% of term babies and more than 80% of preterm. Jaundice occurring the first 24 hours after birth is not due to immature liver function, but is pathological and usually due to hemolysis. You can have conjugated bilirubin, which is always pathological, or unconjugated. If conjugated, stools are white. Unconjugated bilirubin can be regarded as neuropoison, uh, and if I can lead to kernicterus. Guidelines for treatment are more than at 24 to 36 hours or more than 285 for phototherapy and more than 360 for exchange transfusion but you need to use your nomogram physiological jaundice is quite common in infants it's a diagnosis of exclusion you get a bilirubin rise to max of max on day three to five then it declines rapidly management includes phototherapy Pathological jaundice causes include hemolysis from abioresis, deficient like discrepancies, hereditary spherophytosis, polycythemia, inherited conjugation defects, breast milk jaundice, drugs, sepsis, hypothyroidism, and biliary atresia. With ABO blood group compatibility. Uh, if the mother is O and the child is A or B, you get you can get jaundice in the first 24 hours. Um, you want to do phototherapy immediately. You can do a direct comb test on the infant. Breast milk jaundice. If you exclude all those secondary causes, the baby's well in breastfeeding. The likely cause is breast milk jaundice. It's confirmed by suspending, not stopping breastfeeding for 24 or 48 hours. Sealum bilirubin falls and breastfeeding can continue. Mother must express in this time. And you can continue breastfeeding if you're happy with it. Jaundice in older children is normally viral infection. Hep A and Hep B. Jaundice in the elderly, you have to think about different causes, so obstructive causes, um, maybe gallstones or head of pancreas carcinoma, uh, alcoholic liver disease or drugs. Yes, Theo? Other infections other than hepatitis A to F that can cause jaundice are malaria, EBV, CMV, Q fever, toxoplasmosis, Leptospirosis, measles, varicella, yellow fever, rubella, herpes simplex, dengue, Lassa fever, Marburg, and Ebola. Hep A is fecal oral root. Uh, or contaminated food transmitted. It's no carrier state and self-limiting. The features are anorexia, nausea and vomiting, malaise, headache, distaste for cigarettes in smokers. You may have an icteric phase, also mild fever, diarrhea and upper apto discomfort. 
may have an icteric phase. Most patients don't develop jaundice with dark urine, pale stools, hepatomegaly and splenomegaly. You can get recovery in three to six weeks. And you can get fulminant hepatitis may occur, but it's rare. Investigations of hep A would be LFTs and viral markers, uh, the antibody with HIV antibodies. If you've got antibodies, you've got active infection for IgM, and IgG means you've got past infection and lifelong immunity, and you want to do ultrasound to exclude bile duct obstruction. Hep A is excellent progress, the mortality is less than 4.5%, you don't usually need to admit to hospital, no specific treatment, just be good. Prevention is via good sanitation, hand washing, you can give immune globulin, passive immunity for close contacts and for travellers to endemic areas for up to three months. But the active vaccine consisting of a two-dose course is the best means of prevention. Hep B is spread by blood, percutaneous sex, perinatally or close family contact. Um, infection may be subclinical and self-limited, but 5% will go on to become chronic carriers. Most of these are healthy, but some may go on to develop chronic active hepatitis, cirrhosis and hepatoma. Passive and acti active vaccines are available and should be used. Clinical features are so those found in the same as hep A, but may be less abrupt. You may have a serum sickness like immunological syndrome with transient rashes and polyarthritis. Investigations will include looking for hep B surface antigen. If this is detected, indicating hep B positive or carrier, then a full viral profile is formed. Hep B surface antigen may disappear or persist. If it's present, you've got a current or chronic infection, as well as a carrier state. And carriage or chronic hep B is if you have hep B surface antigen for at least six months. Hep E antigen is a soluble protein from the pre-core and core, and you get antibodies to that as well. So if you've got a positive hep B surface antigen, you're either acute or a chronic carrier. Monitoring. You want to basically, if someone's, if someone's positive for hep B, you want to monitor them over time. Monitor progress for 6 to 12 monthly LFTs, HBE antigen and HPV DNA. So antibodies, so you've got HB surface antigens, which is acute or persistent inflammation. You get antibodies to the surface antigen, you've got past infection and immunity. If you've got HBE, you're highly infectious at that time. If you've got HPV DNA, you've got a circulating and replicating virus. So HB surface antigen is acute or persistent infection, HBE you're highly infectious, and HBV DNA you've got circulating and replicating virus. In terms of antibodies, if you've got 
IgM antibodies to the core. Got a recent and continuing infection. Um, IgM. So you've got IgM antibodies to the core. You've got recent and continuing infection. IgG antibodies to the core. You've got a past infection. And uh, antibodies to the surface. You've got past infection and immunity. Treatment of chronic hep B is with pegulated interferon and entacavir or tenofir. It's expensive, but it achieves permanent remission in 25% of patients and temporary remission in 25%. You can do liver grafting, but you get follow-up in hep B in the grafted liver. If you get any patient with hep B signs, you want to refer them to a gastroenterologist. Prevention is with the hep B vaccine, over three injections. For non-immune patients at risk, you can give hep B immunoglobulin, which contains higher level of a HB service antibody. Prenatal screening of pregnant women is useful to prevent perinatal vertical transmission.